Blog Talk Radio. Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, November the 18th, and welcome to our Saturday podcast. Uh, when we do this on Saturdays, we try to bring back some bits and pieces during the last week, some interviews that we had feature a couple of conversations that we had uh, in the last week or so. So tonight, we're going to, or today, we're going to be uh, catching up with a conversation we had with our friend Bill Katz, the editor of urgent agenda. He talked a little bit about New York City. New York City's been in the news a lot lately, uh, as I'll mention in, in a second. And then in a later segment, uh, we'll be catching up with our friend Therese Margolis, who is the editor of Pulse News Mexico. And she's going to be telling us a little bit about Acapulco, as you probably have heard, the city of Acapulco, the very well-known tourist resort in, uh, I guess this would be on the Pacific side of, of the Mexican coastline, was devastated by a terrible, absolutely terrible hurricane. And they're having a very hard time putting the city back together, as you can, as you can imagine. But let's begin with New York City. I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about what is happening to the mayor of New York City and the budget of New York City. The mayor just had to come out this week and basically tell the residents, the citizens of New York, that they were going to have to be some serious cutbacks in uh, government spending. It's a combination of things. It's not just the migrants. Obviously, they've had to deal with this uh, migrant crisis, which is a problem. There's no way of getting around it. It's something like 100,000 people or something like that who've gone north uh, uh, from uh, from the border. But the other thing is when you take the migrants and you combine it with the collapse in the finances of New York, meaning more and more people are leaving New York. Uh, we wrote a post at the American Thinker here recently about the number of billionaires who are leaving the city. You know, when billionaires leave your town, they, they do a lot more than take uh, a lot of fancy things with them or fan- furniture with them. They also take a lot of taxes with them. And when you've got people like that leaving your city and you've got all these other problems, well, you end up with uh, budget shortfalls. And that's what the mayor of New York City is facing. It's not a pretty situation, but it is somewhat predictable. I mean, they're having the same problem in Chicago. These cities have decided that they're 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 in the business of doing other things rather than being in the business of running a city for the benefit of taxpayers and the people who live there by having tough crime policies, they've decided that uh, they're in some other business and the cities have become unmanageable and more and more people leave. And that it's starting to take its toll on the budget uh, 
finances uh, of these cities in New York City just this week, as you see in my post over at the American Thinker, uh, they're just they, they're just not able to cope with uh, the reality that uh, when people leave, when taxpayers leave, money leaves with them, and when that happens, you gotta cut your budgets, and you gotta cut the police, and you gotta cut your schools, and you gotta cut your firefighters at a time when. My goodness, they, they certainly don't need to be doing that, given the crime problems in, in many of these cities. So New York City, quite a mess, quite a mess, uh, to say the least. Now, we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll connect with our friend Bill Katz, an interview that we did with him last week. Be right back. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, November the 13th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We're going to take a look at the week, review some of the big stories that are ongoing, like the, the war in, uh, in Gaza and all that kind of stuff. So, Bill, welcome. It's always great to have you. Thank you, Silvio. Pleasure to be with you. All right, Bill. We're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. Did you think that 2023 would go by that fast? Uh, no, and I, I didn't think at the beginning of 2023 that we would be ending the year on with so many catastrophes, yes. so many major stories, and so much apprehension. You know, you're right about that. It's just been uh, it's been that kind of a year. And the other day, uh, somebody passed away the other day. And I was trying to remember who it was who was related to Apollo 8. Somebody, oh, uh, Frank Borman yes. passed away. Uh, he was 95. And he was related, of course, to Apollo 8. And it reminded me that 2023 starting to look like 1968. That was a crazy year. Yes. It, it just seemed like at every other turn there was something crazy. Oh, yes. And that's the way 2023 is starting to be. I mean, something crazy at every at every at every point well let's talk a little bit about new york the mayor of new york city who's been in the news quite a bit for a lot of things a lot of reasons has now been in the news himself yes so apparently uh as i understand it please tell me the the story but as i understand the fbi has control of his phone or whatever what's going on in new york city bill well, they have control of his phone. I, I don't quite understand the story myself, and apparently either to most people covering it. He is accused, apparently, of using his influence to get some approvals for something involving the Turkish embassy. Um, I, I've read the story a few times. I don't. It's, it's not filled with details. But unless there was an act of bribery, which there doesn't seem to be, it looks like one of those fairly typical favors that you do for you know countries that want to have an embassy or a consulate in new york it doesn't look like there's anything illegal here 
And I, I'd like to have somebody tell me what is involved or what, or if it is a question of retaliation against him uh, because he has criticized the Democratic Party leadership. Uh, the, I, 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 would, I would imagine it's the second part because the legal system in New York is completely controlled by the Democratic Party. And they don't particularly like him because he's very outspoken and he has made very plain that the party is not doing enough to deal with the repu- the immigrant problem and they may want to get rid of him. Well, that's interesting. That's what I was hearing, too. Some people are saying that this is retaliation for his criticism of the Biden administration. But who would they replace him with? There would have to be another election, right, Bill? Uh, if he resigned, that's a very, very good question. I don't know New York City law. Uh, if he resigned or died, uh, I don't think they would need another election. I think that somebody else is in line, um, but I don't know who it is. Well, given the, the composition of the New York City Council, well, it wouldn't uh, be any better. Not at all. I mean, the New York City Council is to the left even of the, the, most of New York City. Um I'm going to look this up on Google as we're doing it, but uh, New York is a mess. The city is a mess. I don't blame the mayor. I I don't think he's a great mayor, but I do blame the Democratic Party of New York, which is very much a left-wing party. It's not a liberal party anymore. It has gone the way of progressivism, which means that people don't count, only ideologies count. Right. Uh, we we had declared ourselves not we because I don't live in New York City anymore, but the city declared itself a sanctuary city, and finally they now realize what that means. They they have got to pay for this this flood of immigrants, some of whom are now coming in and then leaving because they don't think the city is providing for them well enough. These are illegals. They they come in. They 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 were given uh, hotel rooms. Uh, they were given three good meals a day. Now they're being they, they're trying to move them out of Manhattan and to the outer boroughs, and they don't like the premises. Uh, some were taken to the old Floyd Bennett Field facility uh, where new premises had been built, and it's not good enough for them. Some are going uh, – I know in Chicago there was a group that says that they are not satisfied with their accommodations, so they're going to go back to Venezuela. Well, wonderful. Go back to Venezuela. But I mean, what is amazing about this is their sense of entitlement. These are people who are here illegally, and they they believe they're entitled to first-class accommodations. Well, and for someone like me who actually came into the country, you know, in a different way, but came came here for political reasons, I find their sense of entitlement appalling because when we came here... uh, from my father all the way down to my little sister, there was a tremendous sense of gratitude to the United States. It was like, oh, sure. thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to let us live here and start a new life here. And I have to say, Bill, for most of the immigrants, not just the Cubans like me, but for most of the ones that I've met, they have that attitude of gratitude. Yes, I, sure I do. think these people are, you know, you must have gotten a really bad, bad batch in New York because... Most people do have a sense of gratitude, but then on the other hand, if they get so many things, I mean, they don't have to work for anything. My parents had to, you know, we had to spend a couple of months outside of the United States before we came in. We had to spend time in Cuba before we came in. So nothing was handed to us. You know, we had to work for it. I mean, we understood the reasons we had to work for it. So when we got here, we were nothing but grateful, Bill. 
Yes, well, that was always the attitude of immigrants. It was the sense of gratitude, even though what they found here was often a tough life, but they were glad to be in a country where there was freedom. That's right. And what you said there is very important, that there was always a tough life, because there is this myth that when immigrants come, things are easy. It was not easy for my parents. Uh, It was not easy for nearly a million Cubans who left and yet they were able to put it together and and turn into a very successful group because of the gratitude and the appreciation of the country and they wanted to work which leads me to another point i read maybe you've seen this that they had a bunch of job permits and only very few of them went by to get one that's Isn't right that true that's exactly right yes these are these are people who really feel that they are entitled. And one of the things that you look at when you see these photographs of them walking along is that many of them do not look like poor people. Uh, I mean, many of them are uh, uh, well-dressed, clean. Uh, These do not look like downtrodden people at all. And I just wonder how much we actually know about them. The whole thing is such a scandal because our southern border is open. We are admitting people we know nothing about. Many of them are from countries that are highly suspicious. And I, I, I think we are setting ourselves up for a disaster, for a possible 9-11. And no, nobody really seems to care. Well, that's it. Nobody seems to care. There's this attitude. Silvio Canto in Dallas, Texas, on Saturday, November the 18th, and uh, we just heard uh, part of the interview that we did with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. The entire interview is available in the archives. We usually talk to Bill on Mondays. We sort of do a week in review type uh, program with him. Now, our next segment uh, is about Acapulco, Mexico. When I say Acapulco, Mexico, most of you are going to think about the beach, Uh, You're going to think about uh, going on vacation uh, or that movie by Elvis Presley, Fun in Acapulco. If if you're an older generation, you may remember that movie. But Acapulco, of course, uh, a great popular international tourism resort resort that many people have enjoyed over the years. You know, we've been there a couple of times. uh, Business conferences, that was also very popular. People would go there for conventions and so on to... uh, to Acapulco. Well, they had a terrible and absolutely horrible hurricane hit Acapulco a couple of weeks ago, and it has really devastated the city. Uh, they're, they're still coping with just the basic things like finding out how many people are dead and how much property damage uh, was done. So they have a lot of work to do. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with Therese Margolis. She is the editor of Pulse News Mexico, and uh, she brought us up to date a little bit on the, just the horrific 
the horrific damage uh, happening um, in that um, in that community. So um, we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, you'll be able to listen to the terrible situation going on going on in Acapulco. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, November the 2nd. And by the way, I should say congratulations to the Texas Rangers for winning the the World Series last night. We're going to be talking uh, about the Rangers on Sunday night when we chat with our friend David uh, Dave Matthews, uh, sports journalist here in the area. So we'll get into a lot of baseball on on Sunday night. But today we're going to talk about Mexico, and let me welcome... Our friend, uh, Therese Margolis, how are you? Hi, how are you, Silvio? I'm fine, thank you. Great to have you, as always. Great to have you, as always, and it's uh, a lot of fun to, uh, to to visit with you. Uh, how is every? How is the weather in Mexico City this time of the year? Well, it's cool for Mexico, but I don't think it's cool on, on the standards of the U.S. I hear it's really yeah. chilly up there. Yeah, over here right now, we we did have a little drop in temperatures, but it we don't get that cold in Texas really until January. That's when we that's when we really get uh, very cold. But you know, it, it's very pleasant actually at this time. Well, a couple of topics that I would like to get your input on. One is the the situation in Acapulco, which has been shocking for many of us because in my case you know through through my wife she has friends who've been impacted by this a great deal and then i also want to ask you about the caravan so let let me begin with with acapulco i'm certainly not an expert on on hurricanes or anything like that i follow the weather like everybody else but it it looks like people went to sleep this is what i hear from from friends of family that they went to sleep thinking that there was a tropical storm in the area and they woke up at two o'clock in the morning in a category five hurricane. Uh, is that what you hear? That's exactly what happened. As a matter of fact, um, you know that I'm the editor of a English language paper here in Mexico, Pulse News Mexico. And um, honestly- Which we... by the way, let, let me inter- forgive me for not having said that at the beginning when I introduced you, and I guess I, I just made the mistake of assuming no that word. that everybody knew. So forgive me for not introducing you that way. You're right. You're the editor of Pulse News Mexico, and I didn't say it even. I had it no, written down. Don't worry. I was only mentioning it because. No, honestly, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because I should have done it. So thank you for bringing it up. Thank you, Sylvia. Basically, we had looked at it as whether we wanted to cover it. We're a little short-staffed right now, and there are a lot of other things going on in Mexico politically. And so it was 
uh, Cat 1 that was going to hit Cat 2, and we figured, okay, you know, we have hurricanes, just we'll put in a little note later, and we never expected, literally, the hurricane went from a Cat 1 to a Cat 5 in two hours something that's never happened before, I don't wow. think anywhere, no. and nobody expected it. And there are, the number of missing is fluctuating, they, the number of deaths, we think it's probably going to end up to be 100. There are over 200,000 homes destroyed, totally beyond repair. 65% of all structures, buildings, in the Alcapulco area are beyond repair. It's devastating. And there's very little communication in and out. The highway between Mexico City and Alcapulco is basically destroyed and it's controlled by the military right now. Um, why is this so relevant? For Mexicans, it's personal because Every single Mexican has some connection with Acapulco. It's where you went with your parents on spring break or Easter. It's where you, you spent your holiday with your kids, your friends at school. It's where you had your first boyfriend or girlfriend. It's your, your place where you went with your grandparents. It's a place you go when or went. When you don't have something to do, let's go to Acapulco for the weekend. And the nice thing about Acapulco was that it didn't matter what your economic class or possibilities were, every single person of every single economic strata could go to Acapulco and afford to stay and enjoy it. So it's, it's a personal thing to yeah. everyone. I agree, and and if I may uh, jump in and say I've been to Acapulco several times. Actually, I was there more for business conferences or business conventions than for personal pleasure because uh, it just it was just a very popular place to to have business meetings yeah. and uh, and and conventions and that kind of thing. So I, in fact, twice I stayed at a hotel called the Princess. And the princess, as I understand, please tell me if I'm wrong, but I understand was devastated. It's gone. Everything. Wow. And and let me let me add this. The um, the calculations are that uh, to reconstruct Alcapulco, it would be a minimum of three billion U.S. dollars, a maximum of fifteen U.S. Dollars, 15 billion U.S. dollars. The GDP of Acapulco last year was 385 million dollars. So if you do the math, there's no way that there's an economy to rebuild. And on top of that, 65 of the municipalities in the state of Guerrero, which is the state where Acapulco is, are completely in, inhabitable right now. Um, the government, the Mexican government, the day before, ironically, that Otis had, had eliminated 
13 PO Comisos, which are basically government trust uh, funds. And um, most of those were aimed at eliminating any money to support a judiciary here, which is another story we can go to some other time. But basically, in addition to all of the money for the judiciaries that were eliminated, one of the fideocomisos that was wiped out by order of Mr. Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador was the Mexican equivalent of FEMA. So there was no money as of the night before to provide for emergency aid. And so the country is in chaos, the whole region is in chaos. Uh, on top of that, you know that this region is very much under the occupation of the um, drug lords and cartels. Uh, there's right. violence everywhere. And it's tough. All right, there. Oh, okay, it happens. It happens to the best of us. So there you go. It happened. No problem. No, but you mentioned no. while, while you uh, while you do that, uh, Guerrero has been a hotspot for for cartel violence. Uh, just the other day, when my wife and I went out for our anniversary, I guess a few months ago, we were having dinner, and the young man who was waiting on us is from Guerrero. And I was asking him, you know, how, you know, I, I usually just ask him, you know, how's your family back back home? Right. And they say, well, uh, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of violence. And, you know, he was telling me all kinds of details. So Guerrero has been in the forefront of or, you know, has been a, a staging area for for a lot of cartel violence. Uh, how much comparable to other places? I don't know, but it's pretty big. But. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you finished when when you were reading off those numbers? I thought they were so interesting. I think there's something else that has to be mentioned, and that is the fact that people, many people in Mexico City, as you well know, had had past tense homes, uh, weekend homes in Acapulco. Many people had, you know, it was a place to go over weekends. So. Uh, a lot of people tried to get back to bring in supplies, to bring in food, water, medications, just basic supplies to people in their neighborhood or people who worked where they lived. And the government has stopped them from going in. There's, um, there's horror stories and accounts that have not been fully verified of people being attacked by the police and having, well, the military saw on the way to Acapulco in the town of Chipancingo, which is the capital of the state of Guerrero, um, having all the property and money and uh, the, the supplies they were taken, taking, taken by the military. There's accounts of looting of stores, department stores, and furniture stores and everything, Walmart, uh, by the military. Uh, the people of Guerrero are saying that they have been forgotten. The government is basically doling out very, very limited 
basic needs to some people in the state, but this is, as you know, we're kind of open. entering the year of Hidalgo in Mexico, which I think you know what that means, but basically it's the the end of the uh, presidential term and it's when people in government take right. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, Texas. Well, that was part of the interview that we did with Therese Margolis, the editor of Pulse News Mexico, a very good website on what's happening, what's happening down in Mexico. And she went into some of the uh, devastation of Acapulco. I mean, Acapulco has been devastated. If you've seen any of the pictures interesting here in the Dallas area the other day, one of the local stations uh, was interviewing some Americans who were there, some local, you know, residents who were in Acapulco when uh, when this happened, and they were relating the horrific experience. I mean, literally, people went to sleep, uh, or they went out to eat, or they went out dancing, or whatever, uh, with the knowledge that there was a tropical storm that became a Category Five, you know, in, almost incredibly over. I don't know how long it was, but very quickly. So there was no preparation. Nobody kind of knew what to do. And at least uh, from what you're hearing from Therese and other Mexicans in that area, uh, the government is not being exactly very well, very efficient in handling this. Now, to be fair, when you have this kind of devastation, it's always difficult to, to do things perfectly. Uh, so we hope that they get their act together down in uh, down in Acapulco. Well, thank you for checking in. As I say, these both interviews, Bill Katz as well as uh, our interview with Therese, are available in the archives. Just stroll down, and you'll be able to find them. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and uh, we'll talk to you the next time. I hope you're getting ready for Thanksgiving. This is the weekend before Thanksgiving, so a lot of planning going on, I'm sure, in most of your homes. Bye-bye, everybody.